Welcome everyone. Welcome back to Career Up Now Socially Distanced Close-Ups podcast. Today, I'm joined by Brian Switchkow, who's not only had a significant influence on my life, but is a really, really, really smart guy. He's truly the essence of a social entrepreneur slash data science slash high level thinking that brings new things into the world. So Brian, welcome. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. It's a, a fun way of saying super nerd. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> love that. I love that. So tell me, how and why did you become an entrepreneur? I like taking things apart and I like building things. I still owe my parents a few appliances that I took apart and never put back together. I think the most idiotic slash ridiculous was trying to unravel the copper wire in a blender as if that was possible. And just always like making stuff and over many, many, many years got better at making better stuff. I mean, some of my like childhood stuff was duct tape and string and, you know, over time is better skills, better tools. How does that transfer into entrepreneurship from being more like a young industrial mechanical engineer to now (laughs) engineering pieces that address academic or thinking or entrepreneurial issues? Time and scale. I could give a a lot of grander reasons, but I think for the speaking to myself in my youth, I feel like called to be the voice of like, don't take yourself too seriously. I got into marketing because I had anxiety about dating and I inadvertently learned like basically behavioral science. I got into entrepreneurship because I wanted to build stuff. And how do you build a lot of different things? Well, you become an entrepreneur and or you start an agency where you have clients that come to you with a bunch of different needs. And I wanted to build stuff and I didn't want to only build the same thing all the time, right? Like they say that if you really love baking, the worst thing to do is to start a bakery. And I somehow had the intuition to not start my version of a bakery. In about 2012, I had inadvertently started a marketing agency. I say inadvertently because I was doing stuff with Twitter that at the time was like revolutionary and now is considered spam. It's like the, the like follow game basically. And just coming from that, people are like, can you do this? And I'll give you money. And I was like, okay, well, if you give me money, then I can do other stuff. And it just started that game of like, can I do the thing? Sure, I'll do the thing. And then I'd have the ability to do other stuff. But then over time, I started being like, well, I took your money and you're asking me to do a thing, but I don't really agree with this or it doesn't feel right. And then starting to learn purpose, basically, and learn why does this project make me feel energized and that project make me feel depleted. So over time, learning the the inherent nature of, of purpose and meaning and then starting to choose better projects and ultimately create better stories. At the end of the day, it started with this desire to have a sandbox and this desire not to be boxed into a particular like repetitive sandbox, which is that kind of bakery metaphor of like, I don't want to bake the same bread every single day. I want to learn how to bake this bread and then bake that bread and then make it better oven and then have a party for bakers. And then like, I want to do all these things kind of fast forwarding out a few years and just saying like, I don't want to get trapped. I want to have this freedom to create. And over many, 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 many years, I feel like I finally created the perfect playground to show up every day and do something different. That's great. Will you tell me about what that playground looks like? Uh, one Inc. Cooperative is that playground, inc.one, inc.one. Basically, for me, and this is, there's a lot of people, all citizens of one or members of our co- our worker cooperative, all have different stories for like how they got here. For me, in about 2012, I had kind of 
gotten to the end of the first iteration of my agency, the first iteration being, hey, you're a young kid that knows how to use that social stuff. Can you do stuff? I'll give you money. So being a little bit more cognizant and saying like, well, I want to create stuff. But when people come to me, they hire me, they say, create this. So then I lose my agency. I'm now in service. And I liked creating things. I liked oftentimes when people said to me, hey, you know, I want to create this. Can we do it together? And I'm like, oh, yay. And then midway through the project, it would turn into no, like it needs to be this way. And I'm like, I thought you hired me because I was that young whippersnapper that understood the social stuff. And now you're telling me it absolutely has to be purple. And so there was that cognitive dissonance of like, I love creating things. But then when someone else tells me what to create, it changes. Then and seeing like, well, what if I took in money that wasn't from clients, then I could create things differently. Well, then the option there is take money from investors. And all the research that I did there was like, you take money from an investor based on a business plan, you follow the business plan. And in certain cases, you can pivot and do something else with the money. But that doesn't happen too often because you have to basically have like a relationship change with your investor to say, hey, like, I know I said we were going to do this stuff, but it's a really good thing for us to do this thing, dif- this instead. And that it's just energy to move. So I was like, all right, well, I can take a client's money and do what they want. I can take an investor's money and commit to doing one thing. What I really want is I want a team to do all the stuff that I'm not good at. And I want funding to pay the team. And I don't want any obligation that comes with that funding. I just want to be able to like play. So I had this idea, didn't have a way of articulating it and spent about eight years building pieces. And so I built the the last iteration of my marketing agency prior to what is now one studio was called Ghost Influence. And it was three parts. It was a marketing agency, a marketing education community, and a startup studio. The marketing agency was the largest driver of financial capital. That was the thing that gave me the space to create and keep going. The community was where I built consistent financial capital and also kind of won people over by showing up and giving them value and then having them be like, hey, like I have this new project, can we do it together? And I'm like, great, like I love these together things. And then the third piece is the incubator when I would, would say like, man, it someone should make a thing like, but I don't know how to explain what it is because I'm not sure yet. I just feel this intuitive, like I want to play in this direction. And now that was Mythos, Brian Bot, and a whole mess of other projects have come out of that energy. So One Inc. Cooperative is the manifestation of that desire. We have one legal entity, which is Citizens of One Inc. Cooperative. It's a California worker cooperative. Within that cooperative, we have a virtual economy. Within that cooperative, we have virtual corporations. We have this ecosystem that allows us to create a project that might not necessarily create financial capital, but will create social capital. And that social capital can be converted into financial capital somewhere else. And we have an exchange mechanism so that the co-creators of the project that creates social capital has the ability to benefit from the financial capital that is created by the other entity. It's basically just this giant Rube Goldberg for machine for maintaining alignment of agreements between a large number of people, acknowledging different types of gifts. Some people are better at communicating and some people are better at creating capital, like financial capital, making the communicator, you know, hey, well, how is your event company going to make money? Well, it might not be meant to make money and how can it bring people together and help others to understand value and then that understanding of value leads to a purchase. A lot of understanding of empathy both intuitively and logically, a lot of re-communicating of things that were learned all for a very simple purpose which is to come together, co-create, and play. That's so interesting. I mean that's like 
next level thinking. Tell me something. What do you wish you had known before you got started? It's not as hard as you think it is. Stop trying. I've never heard nor would I have expected that answer. How do you tap into that space? I have a sticky note next to me right now. I have two different. One is the lighter you are, the faster it becomes. So often we manifest the things that we don't want because we're trying to avoid them. Um, actually, I just had the census worker came to my door and I think Gar was his name. And I was like, oh, like what ethnicity is that? And he's like, my mom wanted to name me something that uh, kids couldn't make fun of. And he's like, because it was so short that they couldn't make fun of it. And he's like, but then all the kids just added stuff to it. So it was like Gar bitch truck. She created exactly what she wanted to avoid. And so that energy of trying like the notion of hustle is so toxic because it's this like grueling, I'm going to make it through and I'm going to do it no matter what. And oftentimes when you just take a breath and you're like, it's meant to happen. Like the music is playing the band. I accept that frame of like the universe is conspiring for my benefit. And then it just happens. The thing that you were like working and struggling to do and like you know, clawing at the ground, it's like when you just stand up and you're like, that doesn't need to be this hard. It's just a casual stroll forward. So there were a lot of times throughout my journey, and it's still something I'm present with every day today, is just acknowledging that it doesn't need to be as hard as you're making it. Oftentimes that means just taking a breath and being patient. Like all the anxiety about what's to come, it's like just take a breath and wait. That's remarkable. I love that because it's just interesting because hustle culture is such a big thing that's being pushed on young people right now. And, and I'm in the older demographic. I just turned 40. And I see these young people like working seven days a week and they take off a day every year, like a Sunday or something. Yeah. And I'm like, and, and it's such a good point that you make because like it probably they get almost as far or as far or maybe further if they would just let things happen sometimes rather than always they have to make everything happen. And I mean, I catch myself doing that too. Like I become super anxious if not everything's happening very quickly. And I think that is kind of remarkable because I have to have so many projects and so many things going on at once so that I can, so that I can switch between as like things patiently get done on other ones. I actually never thought of it that way. That's really remarkable. And, How, and I've, as I've experienced it in everything from creation, what someone might describe as work, from like creation to dating. My actually how how my fiance manifested in my life was I had this affirmation because I would talk a lot going into a meeting. So I would have this affirmation of I am making space for the person I'm about to meet. And then that turned into a manifestation of like, I was hosting events every two weeks, I was hosting an event. And then a friend of mine was like, you should do the same thing with dating. And I was like, okay, so I wrote on a sticky, I am making space for love, not I'm looking for love, not I'm looking for a partner, which is this energy of like going out and seeking energy, hoping to find it and then pull it back to where you came from in space that might not exist versus staying where you are, being comfortable in that space and clearing the space so that the energy will come to you. And it was this cognitive shift that I, from a dating standpoint, it was, I visually, I would physically push my arms out and clear the space in front of me. I would meditate imagining a space in front of me. I would meditate imagining not a specific thing coming to me, but this like energy of love being present with me. I would constantly just visualize the clearing of the space, kind of like digging sand out on a beach. When you dig the sand out on a beach, the water comes in to fill it. And I did that for about two months before she just literally showed up at an event and stood next to me. 
I mean, I also have had a podcast called the Future Wife Podcast since like 2012. It's never been published. And the agreement that I made with my future wife when I started in 2012 was that it would never be published until I got married and then she would have the first edit. So I've been having this conversation for a really long time. So when she showed up, I was like, oh, I know you. And the same thing goes with any kind of, I mean, anything, whether it be work, life, love, doesn't matter. Is it when you just kind of disconnect from what society says we have to like do? I think there's a quote, an Alan Watts quote that really connected with me when I found it was, children are often told to do things that are just supposed to happen. Eat your broccoli, brush your teeth. Those things should just happen. Like let's make space for them instead of forcing this notion of doing and progressive more and do. It's like, just take a breath, let it happen. Listen, listen to what is coming into being rather than like forcing it into existence. You say that and I'm like, I need to take a breath. I'm wondering, what's the core value that you have and you hold dear that you would say guides your personal and professional life, like your North Star? I have five because they're eulogy virtues. Uh, It was an exercise I did years ago and I can remember four, so I'm looking up is authenticity, creativity, cooperation, unity, and love. Could you pick one and just explain how that manifests itself or the reason that you chose that one in your, I'm going to make up a term, your eulogistic approach to self-contracts? Creation. There's an interesting, there's a book that I love and go through often. It's called Finite and Infinite Games by James P. Carse. The first sentence of the book is, there are at least two types of games. There are finite games, which are played for the purpose of winning, and there are infinite games, which are played for the purpose of continuing play. And in this book, he basically shows all the different elements of finite and infinite games. And capitalism as it is today is largely a finite game. And Bezos has won that game, but that's more of a sarcastic play on like, if you want to learn more about that, go to BezosOneCapitalism.com. It's one of my many domains. And I haven't gotten sued for yet. Creation, being able to make something, a story that other people can experience, and then having that experience become a memory, and having that memory then transmute itself through sharing and you literally get to create a myth something out of nothing right you can create something physical like a piece of art but when you create an experience it's infinite it's like trying to explain the impossible color like you can put words to it you can spend hours doing lectures on it i mean if you think of like all of the energy looking at and reflecting on the bible or any substantial text like that, or any substantial experience, or even just a moment of true love. Like, I can speak for hours on why I'm choosing to marry the woman I'm choosing to marry, but none of that is going to be the truest representation of just the the silent stare into her eyes and that infinite feeling. And so when we acknowledge that the words themselves create a finite representation of this infinite experience, we get to say like, okay, when I speak, I'm speaking part of what is. And so creation for me is this ability to create infinity. When you can create something that can't be confined in words or any kind of man-made structures, you get to create something that can never be explained, can only be experienced brilliant. I love that. And I know we're wrapping up on time, but I just have one short final question for you. It's it's one of those gestalt theory (laughs) questions. So if you were part of a bicycle, what part would you be and why? 
the thing that's coming to mind is there's a quote, it's a bicycle is a curious vehicle because its passenger is also its engine. So I would be both passenger and engine. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for Career Up Now Socially Distance Close-Ups. And I want to wish you tremendous success in all your endeavors. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on and making this space. And for anyone who's listening, feel free to reach out and we have space to talk about and champion and create, talk about and champion creation and also just to play.